Have you ever felt totally overwhelmed about motherhood? Me too. Luckily, my guest today can help. She's a New York Times bestselling author and has a new book coming out that's all about transitioning into motherhood. I always say when it comes to like mom guilt that we try so hard to avoid it, but like I say lean into it, like bathe in that guilt, like let it cover you. Because I think that feeling guilty is a really, really awesome reminder of how much we care about our kids. If you've ever felt like you're struggling with the transition into your new life as a mom, while others seem to be doing it pretty seamlessly, you're not alone. So let's talk about it. From our conversation, you'll learn how to take care of yourself as well as your baby, how to navigate motherhood in a world of social media, and how to adjust to your new life. I am Lauren Conrad, and this is Asking for a Friend. Hello, I am Lauren Conrad, and this is the very first episode of my new podcast, Asking for a Friend. On each episode, I will be talking to a guest about their area of expertise and how we can improve and simplify those areas of our own lives so we can stop stressing ourselves out and get back to the good stuff. I'm really excited about this new venture and just want to say thank you so much for joining me. I'm recording this episode today from my home in Laguna. Um, And just a heads up, if you hear tiny birds, it's because there are tiny birds right outside the window of where I'm recording. So they might be joining us on this episode today. My first guest is a really good friend of mine and a New York Times bestselling author. She recently wrote a book titled You Are an Effing Awesome Mom. And today we're going to talk about the transition into parenthood and all of the fun that comes along with it. I'm really excited to talk about this today with Leslie because not only is she an expert in the subject, but she's also one of the first people that I call when I need advice or just someone to tell me that I'm not failing at being a mother. Today we're discussing motherhood because we're about to celebrate Mother's Day and it just felt appropriate. Motherhood also happens to be really relevant for me because I am a mother and I've recently become pregnant again with our second child, so I'm about to relive those first few crazy months all over again. I'm a little nervous about it, but it's happening, so <laughs> so yeah, so this has been on my mind a lot. But I did want to take a moment to say to any listeners who are not mothers and have no plans to become a parent anytime soon or ever, that this is just one of the many different subjects that we'll be covering on this podcast. I thought I would start out this episode with a personal story that I think kind of explains why this is such an important thing to talk about. Right now, I'm actually in the middle of reading Leslie's new book, which is amazing, and I'm currently reading the chapter that addresses breastfeeding. And if you've ever experienced breastfeeding for yourself, you know that it can be a little bit challenging for some of us, and a lot of us aren't really prepared for that. I, like a lot of moms, thought that breastfeeding would be the most natural, beautiful thing in the world and that it would just come really easily to me and I would just kind of know what to do because that's what my body is made to do. And it was without a doubt the most difficult part of becoming a new mother. So we went pretty smoothly in the beginning, um, but by the time he was about four months old, I, I just wasn't producing enough milk. I had this one really sad half-full frozen bag of breast milk sitting in my freezer and it had a tiny little martini glass drawn on it because it was from the one time that I had had a martini and I couldn't give it to him, but I also couldn't 
bring myself to throw it out. So it just sort of sat there next to the popsicles, like mocking me. And besides that, I, I had nothing and I just, I, I couldn't keep up with him. I was doing literally everything I could. I was taking pills. I was taking drops. I was drinking the teas. I was eating the lactation cookies, which I had to make from scratch because my son was also allergic to dairy. And nothing really seemed to make a difference for me. I felt like I was failing at something that should come really naturally and it was it was really difficult for me. I felt ashamed and it kind of made me feel like a bad mom. Leslie was one of the first people that I turned to at that point because I didn't really know what to do next and she really did make me feel a lot better. In the chapter that she wrote about breastfeeding, she got really real and honest and I really appreciated that because I think that if we are all a little more honest about the challenges of motherhood, that the tough times might feel a little less lonely. We're also going to be talking about going through a really big transition of who you were before and after children, and that's a transition that Leslie and I went through together. When we met many, many years ago, uh, Leslie was my very cool New York friend, and I would call her every time I was in town. She knew all the door guys, and she could get us a bottle, so we would go out together. And we went from that to where we're at today, which, you know, I'm really proud of us. We have careers and we have families, but it's just a very different life that we live today. And oftentimes, Leslie will just send me a quick photo of potty training or just a very unglamorous moment of which we have many having to do with motherhood and it'll just be titled do you remember when we went to clubs so now here's leslie's official resume she is a five-time new york times best-selling author one of which was celebrate which was an entertaining book that we wrote together she is an award-winning entertainment journalist in 2016 she launched a media platform called unpacified with the goal of connecting with and helping women as they transition into motherhood Leslie has two adorable children, Tallulah and Roman, and she has been with her husband, Yashar, for 17 years. You'll hear from our guest in just a minute, but first I'm going to tell you about our sponsor. Scentbird is a luxury fragrance subscription service for perfumes and colognes. It's a great way for you to discover new scents without having to buy an entire bottle. And they have something for everyone with more than 450 designer brands for you to choose from each month. Have you ever purchased a big expensive bottle of perfume only to realize that you don't really love it? With Scentbird, you have the option to switch up your scents constantly and wear different perfumes throughout different seasons. It's also a great way to just try out a scent and see if it's for you. With an exclusive offer just for our listeners, you can get 50% off your first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first fragrance. So go to scentbird.com LC and use my code LC for 50% off your first month. Again, that's scentbird.com slash LC to try your first perfume or cologne for just $7.50. All right, let's get into this conversation with Leslie Bruce. So my first question is, why did you start your website, Unpacified, and then go on to write this book? I started Unpacified because I felt when I had my daughter in 2014, I got lost in the, I call it like the mayhem of new motherhood. I was like often left alone to wonder, like, am I screwing this all up? 
And I realized that that was sort of a common theme that a lot of women are experiencing, especially in those first early like months and um, that first year of parenthood. And the more I started talking to people, the more I realized that what I was experiencing wasn't abnormal and that actually a lot of people could relate. And but for some reason, all of the stuff that's out there is just. I call it motherhood perfected and it just looks so amazing and it looks like everybody's having this incredible time and having this seamless transition. And I wanted to offer people a more natural and raw and real perspective and come together with those women and create a community where we could talk about how crazy it is. And the fact that like, yes, we love our children and we're so grateful to be moms, but man, sometimes it's really, really hard. Yeah. One of the things that, that you say in your book kind of over and over, and I think it's really important, is that as mothers, you're allowed to have two conflicting feelings. You're allowed to be really frustrated by a lot of things that come along with motherhood and also be over the moon in love with your child. Like those those can coexist, which I think a lot of people feel this pressure to yeah, to sort of put on a show, it's sort of taboo to not feel like motherhood is coming really naturally or easily. And that's so interesting. And I think it's such an important conversation because you do feel alone when you feel almost ashamed of the thoughts and feelings you're having, especially early on. So I think it's a really important conversation. And I, I love that you're you're bringing light to it. On that subject, um, I'd love to discuss your thoughts on social media and the, I think you named them unicorn moms. Yes. It's an adorable name. <laughs> the unicorn moms or mm-hmm. the insta mom. The insta mom phenomenon yeah. is what I like to refer to it as. It's hard, right? Because I feel like when you are at home with a new baby, there's very few things you can do, especially if you're nursing or feeding. There's very few things you can do with one hand besides scrolling social media. And I often would use social media sort of as like a, whether it was to get my news or find my community or just check in on my friends. So you you start to use it as this like barometer of how you're doing. And you see these images of women and I, my joke is that like you see these women with like these crazy boho braids, like to be an Insta mom, <laughs> you have to have like a boho braid. You have to have like crisp white linen sheets. They're always so clean. And so the, clean. the clothes the babies are in are always really clean. Yes. And something <laughs> that you would never actually like dress your baby, like a white yeah. cashmere sweater yeah. button up. Like I would never put my child in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the babies never have like, never have baby acne. Never. Never. The w- women always have like fresh manicures, like fresh <laughs> and like red flag, like huge red flag. Um, <laughs> like in order to be an instant mom, you have to have like a Moses basket with fresh petals always available. Mm -hmm. They have to wear a bonnet. There needs to be like a galvanized tub because that's how you will (laughs) wash your baby, like in the galvanized tub. Wait, I feel like at at one point in your book, you described like it was sort of the same scene of like the boho braids and you had flowers in your hair and then you were like wandering through a field and happened to find like a distressed dresser. Yes, a French, a French French. dresser. (laughs) And the baby just like, you know, you just casually lay your baby in the bottom drawer while Mm -hmm. you walk around with like a full forearm full of gold bangles. Mm -hmm. During magic hour. Always. (laughs) What else is always setting? Here's what I'll say. I think that I think that it's a little hard because I see it from both sides because as a new mom, I didn't want to share the 
the yucky parts. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, and I felt like there are some people that almost overshare where I was like, oh, we don't need to see that. Like, I don't think, I don't think poo has a place on Instagram ever. And I see it pretty often. And I'm like, oh man, I could have gone without that. Yeah. So I felt like I, and I also just was really selective with what I chose to share. But like, if I was going to share a photo of me and my child or just my child, it was, it was usually like a nicer photo. And I didn't do that with the intention of not showing the other side. I just, I I was just like, nobody wants to see this. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And I think, but I think it comes down to women appreciating Instagram for what it is, right? It's not that I want to like change the game because, you know, if you were to see my Instagram, it's a lot of beautiful curated photos. Mm -hmm. But what I try to do is through the content, whether it's through my captions or my like IGTVs, where I talk about like the real, real, like what's really going on. You might see a beautiful picture of me and my son, but I talk about like the isolation I'm feeling because it's week three and he's cluster feeding or blah, blah, blah. But I think that like Instagram at its conception was meant to be sort of like a digital scrapbook. And like, you don't look at a baby book and see a bunch of screaming baby photos. You see beautiful photos. And when you want to like gauge your audience, like you, they click to see beautiful photos. So that's why I do what I do with my social media is I, pull them in with these beautiful photos. And then I try to keep it real. Like this isn't really what's happening in my everyday life. You know, you don't see the pile of dishes or the dog beds that are like cut out of the frame. Yeah. So I think it's from both sides. It's, it's understanding that what you're getting is a really well-filtered version of reality and, and to take it with a grain of salt. 100%. You actually had a quote in your book about this that I really liked. And it was, my advice for new mamas is to take those beautiful Insta moms photos with a grain of salt because a carefully cropped square leaves the rest of a person's reality out of the frame. It's really beautifully written. You should do this professionally. <laughs> I should write words for a living. <laughs> you should. I think you have, I think you have potential. <laughs> You'll hear more from our guest in just a minute, but first I'm going to tell you about our sponsor. Ritual is an obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Ritual is traceable and transparent. So for you obsessive label readers, all of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are out there for the whole world to see. From D3 to Omega-3, Ritual's Essential for Women help fill gaps in a woman's diet. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach. And there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh, so you don't get that fishy aftertaste common with most Omega-3s. Ritual is delivered to you, and a subscription is easy to start. It's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month, no strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash asking to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash asking. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. So this is actually, it's a simple question. I don't know how simple the answer is, but what do you think is the most important advice that you can give to a new mother or someone who's about to become a mother? My joke is, and I think it's something that I said to you when you were expecting, it's that you need to loofah your nipples. 
I, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was on the receiving end of so much advice and in the fog of like newborn land that kind of falls on deaf ears, right? Like sleep when the baby sleeps and like enjoy every minute when really what could have helped me was if I loofed my nipples because then I might have not have had such a difficult time with breastfeeding. And then if I had didn't have a difficult time with breastfeeding, that I wouldn't have that general sense of like failure mm-hmm. and anxiety and yeah. my baby wouldn't have been hungry and screaming. Like loofing my nipples was probably the best thing I could have done. But that being said, not every new mother chooses or can breastfeed. So I think the best advice I would give any new mom is to give yourself grace. And that sounds kind of cliche and trite, but to understand that you're going through this incredible transition and that there are going to be really challenging days and there's going to be really, really amazing days, but don't let, don't let the hard days or the difficulties define you. Realize that just as you're bringing a new baby into the world, you're, you're kind of giving birth to a new you. You need to acknowledge that and you need to Take the time to allow yourself to heal from this like massive medical event where you're having a human being like pulled out of your body. And then also the the grace to to kind of walk that like just find your new footing and like not hold yourself up to like the the these unrealistic standards of like bouncing back right away and I should be, you know, hiking a week after delivery or I should be, you know, back in my skinny jeans within a month. Like you need to be good to yourself, be kind to yourself and to nurture yourself because at the end of the day, and I believe this with all my heart, that a happy mom has a happy baby. A mom is so often the heart of the family. And if the heart isn't taking care of herself, then everything else will will suffer. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. And I think actually it's, it's funny because the one piece of advice I can remember my mother giving me was to loofah my nipples. <laughs> Genuinely. She like, she didn't, you know, she didn't give me a ton of advice. She was like, you're going to figure it out. You're going to do it your own way. But that was the, she was like, but if I can give you one piece of advice and that was it. That's really funny. And that's practical advice, it right? <laughs> and so many of us nowadays, like, you know, we're fortunate because we are, we live close enough to our families that our families are around and we have those relationships. But that's the things that like your, like your community, your tribe, like should be bringing to you. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. your mom knows that because your mom went through it. And so she can kind of pass down that information. Um, And we don't always, always have that, but loofing your nipples. That's what (laughs) we got it. You heard it here. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, what you said about not just preparing for a baby, but preparing to be a mother and 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 preparing yourself is something that's so often overlooked. You know, if, if you if you do any research, it's all lists of what to buy for the nursery and tips on taking care of your baby. But yeah, there's not a lot about, you know, self-care or, or, you know, addressing your own feelings or needs. And again, like it's all about babies. So there's, it's, it, there's so much guilt with, taking time for yourself or taking care of yourself and we're kind of expected to do it all which actually leads me into my next question you you in your book bring up a really interesting point you say in the book that you think that millennial moms have a much more difficult time transitioning into motherhood than other generations um which i agree with but i'd love to hear your thoughts on that i do i'm a firm believer in that i mean save for like caveman days like the 
Neanderthal period. I think that women today struggle more with transitioning into motherhood for a few reasons. One, because I think that as women today, which I love, we are more educated, we are more motivated, we have um, stronger senses of identity. And for many of us, we're having children a little bit later. I had my daughter when I was 32. And by that point, I was already in the professional world for 10 years. So I had a really strong sense of who I was. And then I had a baby. And overnight, I became like the least important person in that room. And my entire existence was to take care of this baby. That was a crazy transition and sacrifice that I wasn't prepared for. And then secondly, we are more isolated than we have been from our native tribe. Like when my mom grew up, she grew up with her four aunts living on the same block. So when somebody came home with a baby, there was always a family member there to kind of help and be like, oh, this is what you do when this happens, or this is what you do in this situation. Um, And a lot of moms don't have that. They're sort of left isolated and alone to figure this out when having a baby wasn't something we were ever meant to do on our own. Um, Most like cultures have these amazing traditions of like 40 days of lying in or 30 days of lying in where family members come over and like they take care of everything for you. And your only job is to sleep and to feed this baby. Um, We just don't have that. And then also because just the rise, like we talked about the rise of social media and like the Insta mom. And it's like setting us up for failure because we're like have these unrealistic expectations of how motherhood is supposed to look like I never braided my hair when I <laughs> had a newborn. Like I literally was like, I'm like, when did bonnets become popular again? Because I was left out of this trend. How come I never am like walking through an alley and happen across like a tufted velvet couch to take a photo on? Like I am just failing. Yeah. The worst luck. I know. <laughs> I agree with that. And I think, and, and I'm not going to say this properly, but you were kind of like when you've spent so much time establishing yourself, whether it's in your career or just your life, it's really hard to like see that go away so quickly. And I think especially if you have a career where you're kind of running the show, I, I don't know, it was really hard for me to all of a sudden have like a baby that was my boss. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like it was such a, you were just like, no, like I like for you, you're like, I write best selling books. <laughs> and like this little tiny person now is my boss and tells me when I'm going to sleep and when I'm going to eat and like makes all my decisions for me now. And it's just this like this weird shift. Um, and I definitely felt that. And I think that your point about a lot of people not having their family around them is a really good one. You know, we were really fortunate. We, William and I both had our parents, you know, about 20 minutes away, they were at the house almost daily, stopping in, even if it was just so I could take a shower or they could let me, you know, take an hour off to take a nap. And it made such a difference. And I have friends who live, you know, states away from from their parents. And I can't imagine how difficult that can be. And And you're right. There is a lot of pressure to do it on your own. And I felt that even with all the help, I was like, no, I need to do this all by myself. And I don't I don't know when we decided that was the way it was supposed to be or set that standard because it's so impossible. Like when you're not sleeping, like that's a form of torture. <laughs> you know right. I mean? Like you'll literally lose your mind to the point where like there was times where I was like, I don't know that I'm qualified to watch a baby <laughs> right now. Like I don't know that I should be alone with my child. I haven't slept in three days. I'm so tired. 
sleep deprivation is real and it's um, one of the leading causes of like any perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, right? Like it's, it, it is so challenging. And so I always tell new moms, like, don't think of like sleeping as a luxury. It is a necessity. Like you need to sleep to be healthy. Um, so getting that wherever you can and like calling in your troops, calling in your mom tribe, that's so important. Um, and like I said, it's just absolutely necessary for the overall, I think, health and happiness of the family. You know, fortunately, I I had thought a little bit about spending time at home and, and taking a maternity leave. And while mine wasn't a traditional one, I had to go back to work pretty quickly part time. I knew that I would be spending at least a couple months really just staying at home every day. And for me, there's something really depressing about being in sweatpants all day. So I actually bought like a specific wardrobe to wear. And it consisted of like really soft knit leggings and maternity tanks that were black, you know, for slimming. And then I bought like all these really long, colorful caftans so I could feel chic in my home so that I wasn't, you know what I mean? I wasn't shuffling around in slippers. I, I felt like I put on a new outfit every day. And and I would, and I, you know, most days tried to wear like a little bit of makeup, even if it was just mascara, just so I could kind of feel like myself a little bit. And it really did make a difference. Yep. No, that's a great point because I mean, that falls under like the self-care, right? Mm-hmm. Like the things that we need to be doing to make ourselves kind of fill our cups a little bit. And for a lot of us, like, you know, especially women who were working prior to having a baby, like you're going into a professional setting. So you do, you get up, you get dressed, you do your hair, whatever you're going to do to feel like you can tackle the day. And those small things like, you know, putting on an outfit that you feel good in or like, you know, washing your face, putting on a little mascara, like if that makes you feel better, then those are the things that you, you need to hold sacred as part of your routine and hold on to those little pieces of what you would do before, because then that's just going to, I mean, this sounds like a horrible, like now mom thing to say, but like, it's going to set you up for success. (laughs) It's a horrible thing. No, it sounded right. I liked it. (laughs) So being a mother now of two children, if you could look back, whether on your first or second pregnancy, and you wish you had known something that you didn't know beforehand, what would that be? I feel like that I could throw a shoe at my husband and he would still stay married to me. No, but if I would go back in time and be able to tell myself something or, or yeah. to talk to any new moms um, or soon-to-be moms, I think the most important thing to tell any future mom or soon-to-be mom is to really take the time to look into your postpartum care, to take the time to create a plan for yourself. Because you you talked about this a little bit, but I spent so much time. I'm like a research junkie. No, you? I know, right? Like the (laughs) hours, the hours I spent researching crib mattresses is insane. Do you know how long I spent trying to pick our mattress? How long? As long as it took me to text you what mattress you bought. Like I went into the, like this like total like so deep hole of like, do I get organic? Do I not get organic? <laughs> do I do like, do I do foam? Or do I do spring? Do I do the combination of foam and spring because of their bone development? Like it was insane. Like nobody wanted to be around me because I fell victim to like the worst of like, you know, the marketing when it comes to to baby stuff. I spent so much time doing all of that that never once did I Google what does postpartum depression look like? Never once did I Google like 
what food should I be eating to produce milk or to have my baby agree with my milk? What what are the things that I need to be doing for myself? Like all of the research that I did, I didn't look up one thing. And I read countless baby books and nothing told me what to do for myself to the point where I thought, Somebody should write a book about this. If only someone would. I know. I would buy that book. There's that book. You are a effing awesome mom. But also there are books on like postpartum diet and things that you should be eating and consuming to like literally heal your body. And there's so much that you can be doing to like help that transition and to keep you mentally, emotionally, and physically like in the best possible, you want to set yourself up to have the best possible transition and doing those things and preparing for those things. Like whether it's getting like a meal train or preparing and freezing a bunch of food so you don't have to like worry about dinner. That was always my biggest stressor. Like, what are we going to eat? And then my husband would be like, well, what do you want me to order? I'm like, I don't know. I just want you to decide. And then he would decide and I'd be like, well, this is horrible. Like, why would you choose this? Do you think that I want to eat this? Like he could, the homeboy could not win for winning. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And it's so funny because it's not even just food to heal yourself. I, I wasn't aware that certain food would give Liam gas. Me neither. Isn't that I crazy? Did, I had no idea. No one told me. And so like I was just eating like I would normally eat, but that included like the first few days that he was born. It was my or my mother-in-law made like these beautiful burger she prepped all this food she's so good she made me these like beautiful burgers with this like really good slaw on the side that she made it all from scratch and so i was eating like cabbage spicy cabbage mm-hmm. slaw <laughs> and he had like terrible gas pains and i had no idea why and i googled it and i was like oh god like there was a list of what not to eat and i was like check 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 check, check. <laughs> like i ate it all i was like oh god oh i did that when Tallulah was like five weeks my husband was in the bahamas for a wedding which is a story for no, another I, time i've heard it um <laughs> But I went to Moroccan food with Lindsay and I came home and I fed the baby and she was up all night. And I'm like, what is happening? I'm like, well, yeah, I'll get you. Yeah. Also, I was going to say, I want to sympathize with your obsessive research and and how it's difficult for you, but I really just benefit from it. You just (laughs) research everything for me. So I'm just going to keep on encouraging that behavior. I mean, I love doing it though. It's so I know weird. you do. That's so why. Weird. And I feel like you love sharing the information, so I don't even feel bad. You mean I like being a know-it-all? Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> okay. And then my last question is actually the entirely selfish question. Sure. What do you think is the most important things to know or be prepared for um, when going from one child to two? Because I'm planning on doing that. <laughs> oh, great question. So I felt like when I had my son, I felt like the train had already like left the station. Like, Well, your son is second, just to... Oh, yes. Sorry. I had my daughter in 2014, and then I had my son in May 2018. And when I had him, I felt like the train had already left the station. Like, my life was already a little bit chaotic, and I was already... I had already navigated that crazy transition. So I wouldn't be figuring it out for the first time. So there's definitely an ease and a comfort and you sort of know what you're doing. You're a little bit more confident. My biggest thing was preparing my daughter, who is a very wonderful, spirited child, and getting her ready for having another human in the house. And I like to joke that like bringing home a second baby is like if your husband came home with like a new wife and was like, hi, honey, this is Carrie. 
Uh, she's going to live with us now and she's going to use all of your things and she's going to be here and you're going to learn to love her. Like you're just, and you, oh, by the way, you have no choice in the matter. So, I mean, unless that sister wife wants to like do all of the dishes and do all of the laundry, in <laughs> which case I might actually be okay with this. I literally was like, does she cook? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's about making sure that you take the time to really make this a special event for your first child, right? For Liam, like some good advice that I got because I spoke to this early childhood development expert because I'm yeah, a this loser. Is she just knows. And she said a really good technique is to take 15 minutes out of each day and focus just on him, on Liam. This is after the birth of your second? After the birth of your okay. second. Like, focus just on him and like allow him to pick the activity and set like a timer. And then when it's done, you can say like, I loved doing x y or z with you i loved how you did this like i can't wait to see what you pick for us to do tomorrow and it gives him a sense of like confidence and pride and then also like a reminder that like he's not losing you you'll come back tomorrow and you will have this time just with him every single day um and also to like engage him with the new baby because the more like so many times you want to keep them apart because it's like i don't want to get the baby sick or i don't want to do this or um i don't want him to hurt the baby engage him as much as you can in the process so then he feels like you know he's a part of of the fam instead of being like i made the mistake early on of like trying to send my daughter off to do a bunch of activities and she was like well everyone's at the house and my new brother's at the house like why can't i be there too yeah so it makes makes sense sense. um i was gonna say like a lot of people talk about doing like the the big sister or big big brother party mm-hmm. where it's like yo you're celebrating that you're going to become a big brother or sister and then also like bringing a gift home from the hospital from the new baby it's like oh this is from the baby and just like little things like that and also like you said like keeping them together and like letting the older sibling help whether it's can you please hand me a diaper or can yeah. you do this it's just like in letting them be a part of the process i think helps yeah yeah and i'm learning right now though that like the baby stage was sort of the was a little bit easier because now that my son my son's almost a year and now that he has like his own personality and he's starting to like talk and move my daughter's like what 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 he (laughs) this is different he's grabbing my toys he's sort of like he's being cute and demanding attention like well up until now he was been a doll yeah he's just cute and you know you feed him sits there yeah which is great yeah but yeah so So now that you know a little bit more about Leslie, we're going to take some questions from you. You'll learn tips for working moms, how to overcome mom shame and guilt, and how to adjust to your new life post-baby. You'll hear more from our guest in just a minute, but first I'm going to tell you about our sponsor. Do you love to cook but don't always have time to run to the store and plan out a meal? Why not have someone else handle dinner and get it delivered with DoorDash? DoorDash connects you with all of your favorite restaurants in the city. Ordering is easy. Just use the DoorDash app and choose whatever you want to eat, and your dasher will bring it right to you wherever you are. Not only is that burger place you really love on DoorDash already, but over 310,000 other amazing restaurants are too. DoorDash connects you with door-to-door delivery in over 3,300 cities and all 50 states across the United States and Canada. You can order from your local go-tos or choose your favorite chains. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code 
for a friend. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code for a friend. Again, that's promo code for a friend for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. So I want to go through some questions and thoughts that you sent in through Instagram. Um, thank you for doing that, by the way. It was really interesting. I It was really great to see kind of the questions that came in the most often, which I can tell you were most people were curious how to find balance, how to deal with judgment from other parents, and how to deal with the guilt of going back to work if you're a working parent. And those three I saw over and over and over. So starting out with, you're not alone. Everybody wants to know this. Alexandra sent in this and it says, it seems to be that as women, especially as mothers, we can't get it right. If I'm a stay-at-home mom, I lack ambition. If I work, I neglect my child. If I don't breastfeed, I don't take care of my baby. If I do breastfeed, the chances are I don't do it long enough. Whatever mothers do, the criticism and judgment keeps on coming from all corners and sides. What are your thoughts on this, the pressure that our society puts on mothers? And I liked that because I felt like it was really honest and I felt like it was really, really resonated with me as far as that feeling of no matter what I do, I'm not doing enough and you just, you don't ever want to let down your child or feel like you're not doing everything you can to be the best parent possible. And it's it's a terrible feeling. And I actually think it's the way that most people feel. So um, thank you for sending that in. Leslie, do you have any thoughts on that? I have all of the thoughts you know. on that. <laughs> I mean, judgment and guilt are like rampant in new motherhood. And it's like a, sort of this epidemic, especially when it comes to mom shaming. And we feel the need or we feel like we even have the the right to like judge another woman's journey. And I always like to say like, you don't know the why behind the decisions that they're making. You don't know if they're choosing to breastfeed or formula feed, why they made that choice. If they're choosing to go back to work or to stay at home, you don't know whether it's out of necessity or preference or mental health. Like you don't know the reasons why. And I have, I have faith that you are doing what you believe is in the best interest of your family. And I, it is no business of mine to judge you for that. I think when it comes to mom shaming, right? And it comes to when people are passing judgment on you, I think it says more about the person passing the judgment, right? It says more about them than it ever could about you. And as much as I like get angry about it, and especially people who like you know, random strangers who will come up to you at like the grocery store or a restaurant and say, ask you like, why are you feeding your baby a bottle? Didn't like, don't you love your child? And the amount of people who feel like they have the right to say something to you is astounding. But I think that for, for moms who are passing judgment in this mom shaming culture, that we want to believe that we're doing what's in the best interest of our child and that we are so deeply insecure, and I know I am, that we've made the wrong decision or they maybe we're not doing something right. When we pass judgment on the way that somebody else is parenting or choosing to parent, it's because we want to validate the decisions that we've made. But I think it's important for 
all of us to remember that like many roads lead to Rome, right? Like we can parent in a hundred different ways and still have really great kids. Like my daughter isn't going to come home with like a D in geometry because I chose to like work. Um, She's going to come home with a D in geometry because I am terrible at math. But as long as you are doing what you believe is best and you love your kids and you try really hard to make the best decisions, then you're going to be fine. I I think, yeah, I think simply put, just because someone else is making a different decision, it doesn't make your decision wrong. And I think a lot of times judgment comes out of insecurity. So you're saying if they're doing it that way, that says that my way isn't correct. But really, like everyone's got to do it their their own way. That was a much cleaner way of saying (laughs) what I was saying. You should like do a podcast or something. So One question that was sent in by Valerie said, how do you deal with those stereotypes that working moms don't care about their children? I want to start by saying, I didn't realize this was a stereotype and maybe it's because I'm a working mother. I've never really felt that. Maybe it comes from a place of ignorance or because I am friends with a lot of working mothers, but I think that that might be a little bit of guilt that we put upon ourselves. I think I've heard that in my own head more than outside, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I dare a fool to say that to me, (laughs) right? Like, do you not love your child and that's why you work? And you're right. it, It comes from this, it often can come from this place of guilt. And if we allow what we think other people think or what other people say, you know, affect us like that, then the guilt that we have, like it can eat you alive. But I always say when it comes to like mom guilt that like we try so hard to avoid it, but like I say lean into it, like bathe in that guilt, like (laughs) let it cover you. Because I think that feeling guilty is a really, really awesome reminder of how much we care about our kids. Like we feel guilty because we love our babies and we want to do the best that we can for them. So if feeling guilty, like allows us to remember that, then like just wear that guilt, honey. I think that's a nice way to look at it. I'll think of that next time I'm guilty. I I think that for me as a working mother, it just comes from um, little choices. So it's like choosing to do this over spending time with your kid. Like that's the only time I feel guilty is I'm like, and by the way, that's not always work. Sometimes that's personal time. It's like I wanted to go to lunch with my friends or if I wanted to, you know, go somewhere with my husband and I tried to shut that down really quickly and realize that like being happy and having a, a well-balanced life is is really important. And sometimes like you're not choosing to do something over spending time with your kid. You're choosing to do that so that you can feel more balanced and and really enjoy the time you do spend with your with your child. Right. I mean, I have a complicated relationship with the word balance. I know. <laughs> I think that on one hand, I feel like balance, like we need balance, right? We need to be able to fill all of our cups in order to like, you know, be functioning humans. And we need to take time for ourselves and our baby and our partners and our careers or or whatever it is. But on the other hand, I think that balance, um, this like concept of balance, like when we put our head down on the pillow at night, there's always something we feel like, oh, I didn't get to this. Or oh, if, if I only had a couple more hours and... So I try to take the approach of like prioritizing, right? Like mindful prioritizing, like each day I'm going to focus on one thing and that's going to be what I get done a hundred percent or to the best of my ability and then switch that up, right? Like whether it's every few days or on the weekends or whatever, like take the time and make something your priority that day. And then hopefully by the end of a week or two weeks or whatever, you'll have gotten to focus on all the things that, that make you feel good or that, you know, fill you up. 
Okay, so this question is from Stacy, and I think this is really important. She said, I would love to ask other mamas when they started to feel like themselves again. I have a seven-month-old baby girl, and she is the absolute love of my life. And I love being a mom, but I kind of feel like that's all I am now. I feel like I lost my old self, and I would love to get just a little bit back. I know, this is so honest, and I really loved it. I love that she was willing to share that because I feel like everybody feels that way a little bit. And I think that feeling like your old self can be a lot of things. It can be physically feeling like yourself. There's, I think, you know, you said earlier, there's so much pressure for this bounce back of getting into your old jeans. Personally, I went and bought new jeans because I was like, I don't want to play this game. I think I tried to fit into my old jeans and I was like, well, that's not going to happen for a while. Oh, that's a fun game. I'm going to go buy some new pants. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make myself feel bad because, you know, I didn't immediately get back to where I started. It took me a really long time to get here. It's going to take a long time to recover. So I feel like that's hard. It's also just like emotionally and just adjusting to like, this is my new life. Like, will I ever go back? Will I get a little piece back? Like, you know, feeling like, quote unquote, your old self, I think takes a really long time. And for me, I would argue that it took me at least a year to start feeling like normal again. I got little bits back, but it wasn't until I like woke up and felt like I could like live, I don't know, go through a day and feel a little bit like my like I used to right obviously you have a new person and it's so much better but uh, it took me a while I don't know I mean well Stacy I have a book for you to read um, <laughs> yes I feel like okay here's some truth salad right I feel like we fight so hard to like reclaim that old identity but the truth is like you're kind of never going to be your old self again, right? Like you are now a mother and you're now like, you're this new person. So you're going to have to say goodbye to certain parts of your pre-baby life. And that's a hard pill to swallow and it takes some time. And I feel like that year barometer is like a good one because it kind of takes some time to like get into this new skin. But on the bright side, you're going to learn to love this new person that you are and you're going to prefer her. So right now for like, you know, Stacy and for, you know, new moms, I feel you're in the weeds, like you're in it right now. But like to know that this new person that you're evolving into is amazing and you're going to love who you are more now than you ever could before. Yeah. So maybe it's less about getting back to who you were and more about learning to love this new person you've become. Yeah, accepting this this yeah. new woman you are now. Yeah. Well, I think that's a nice note to end on. Thank you so much, Leslie, for talking about this with me. I feel like you and I could go on and on for hours, and we have. But this was great, and I'm I'm so, so excited for your new book. You're an effing awesome mom coming out September 10th, but you can pre-order it now. Um, and you can look Leslie up on Instagram at Leslie and Bruce. Am I missing anything? Did I forget anything? I mean, can we talk about the beautifully art-directed cover of my book? Wait, that is a fun fact. Leslie shot her book cover on the same day that I shot my podcast art, and it's literally on, against the same wall with the same light and everything. We just swapped out the set. So that's and like kind tossed of fun. a baby in. Yeah, like it was. It was. We were like, I'm behind the camera, like in this tool dress that I was. I was like, oh, I'm gonna wear this, but like hadn't tried it on in a few years. <laughs> and it's so there's so many safety pins keeping that thing on me. Um, and I'm like trying to like dance behind Yoni, our photographer. Anyways. 
I, yeah, I like that we're connected in that way too. Yeah, we shot thank our, you. our cover art together. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm very, very excited and very proud of you. Thank you, Leslie. I'm proud of you too. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and to my wonderful guest, Leslie Bruce. I hope it made you feel a little less alone and helped you realize that you are an awesome mom. Leslie Bruce's new book, You're an Effing Awesome Mom, comes out September 10th, 2019, but you can pre-order it now at Amazon or wherever good books are sold. And you can find Leslie on Instagram at Leslie Ann Bruce. That's Ann with an E. If you liked what you heard, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend. We will be back next Wednesday with another episode. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.